This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. I am Mark uh, McNelly. I'm the director of outreach here on campus, leader of church at the center, and I get the privilege of launching us into a five-week series in the book of James. The book of James is a fascinating book. It's a book in the New Testament that is considered wisdom literature. It's actually the only book of the New Testament considered wisdom literature, similar to that of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and uh, Song of Solomon. So here we have a book that uh, really has grabbed a hold of a lot of Christians over the centuries. Uh, it may be your favorite book of the Bible. Uh, the reason it is, is while you know, we're gripped by Jesus's parables and Paul's teaching is just the high theology and, and really heady, and James takes the faith and he gets it real practical. He gets down and dirty. He says, okay, well, what does Christianity look like in the flesh? What does it look like fleshed out in our life? And so I'm really excited to lead off in chapter one looking at the topic of the testing of our faith. Now, how many of you love taking tests back in school? Raise your hand. Nobody in 820 either. Okay, yeah, I figured that. How many of you were good at taking tests, even though maybe you didn't like it? Be honest, yeah, okay. I talked to Jake this week. He was good at taking tests. He didn't have to show up to class. We didn't like people like you in school, okay? We just didn't. There was a kid in school. This is a middle schooler who took maybe one of the favorite tests I've ever come across, I came across it this week. In which battle did Napoleon die? His answer, his last one. Where was the Declaration of Independence signed on the bottom of the page? The River Ravi flows in which state? The liquid state. What is the main reason for divorce? Marriage. Okay, kids get into some real life stuff there. What is the main reason for exams? Failure. What can you never eat for breakfast, lunch or dinner? What, what looks like half of an apple, the other half? If you threw a red stone into the blue sea, what will it become? A wet stone. How can a man go eight days without sleeping? That's easy, sleep at night. A wise kid, right? How can you lift an elephant with one hand? You can never lift an elephant that only has one hand. If you had three apples and four oranges in one hand and three oranges and four apples in the other, what would you have? Very large hands. It took eight men 10 hours to build a brick wall. How long would it take four men to build it? No time at all. The wall was already built. <laughs> Don't you love this kid? How can you drop a raw egg onto a concrete floor without cracking it? Any way you want, because a concrete floor is very hard to crack. He got, as you can tell, he got an F on the test, but an A plus for creativity. Now, some of those questions remind me of questions that I used to really dislike. Those kinds of questions that are kind of using numbers and if it happened this way in this amount of time, how long would it take to happen in that amount of time with this many people? I'm just like, those questions were designed to trip people like me up, okay? To test me in a, in a way that isn't fair. Well, we're going to look today at the testing of our faith and I'm going to tell you that you may have heard some poor preaching, teaching. There have been a lot of bad theology around this idea of our faith being tested. You may have talked to people. You may have had this belief in the past you, that God, in testing your faith, is, is somehow trying to trip you up, right? Have you ever heard people kind of use God's sovereignty over the earth and your situations and your trials your, to test that maybe they wouldn't come right out and say it, but that God is out to get you? that sort of the, the chips are stacked against you 
it, when it comes to the testing of your faith, the book of James is going to show us in the very first chapter that the testing of our faith is for our good and that God is for our good and that the testing of it is for the refining of it, the perfecting of it. Our role in it is to endure it. So let's open up the book of James. I want to share a little bit about, we're going to get to know the book really well over five weeks, um, but I want to share a little bit about who James was. So there are several James that are mentioned in the New Testament. This is James, the brother of Jesus. The brother of Jesus believed that Jesus was perfect and sinless. Now, how many of you have spouses that you would ever consider, having grown up with them, that they committed no sin? Right? I've heard people that say, look, I believe because Jesus' own brother who he grew up with could believe that he was a perfect, sinless human being. James was the brother of Jesus. He was the leader of the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. One of the epic moments in church history in Acts 15, it's recorded that Paul was there, Peter was there, John was there, but the chair of the council in that meeting was James. He was a big deal in the early church. And so he wrote this book early on. It's one of the first books chronologically written in the New Testament. And James is a very trusted figure. I mean, he puts it right out there. I'm James, apostle. And so we have this book as a result of the brother of Jesus. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 18, reading from the NIV. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. All right, I want to stop there. I need to clarify something that, it's a, by way of contrast, joy in the scriptures is something completely different than what we think of when we use the word happiness. So let me say happiness in our kind of modern day understanding and language is talking about circumstantial emotive responses to good circumstances, okay? You've been happy, right? You've maybe graduated from something. You've, I've been recently married. Very happy times come upon us. Joy is completely different. When joy is referenced or taught in the scriptures, it can be unshakable. It is of no relation to your circumstances and your situations. Joy is something that you can have, keep, hold on to, and it not be shaken. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. 
Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be kind of a first fruits of all he created. All right, today when we look at that passage, we see a testing of our faith. We see that we, we experience joy through enduring it. Through enduring the test, we can receive joy, and it gives us two areas of our life that we can, that we can experience joy. So what I want to do first is I want to look at, I want to paint a picture for you of what it can look like if you pass the test of faith, that you endure your trials and temptations, what it can look like for you. The first thing he says is that you can have joy in your trials. There's a word that he uses right there right off the bat. He says, when trials of various kinds or of many kinds. He doesn't say if, he says when. What we have to understand as Christ followers is that we Even though we follow Jesus, even though he's gifted us with this faith, we are not given a pass when it comes to trial, troubles, and tribulations in this life. None of us. We don't get a pass from it just because we're followers of Jesus. He says when. In fact, what happens with trials, we see, is that those trials, when we endure them, when we take joy in the things that they can produce, we begin to live a different kind of life. And there's somebody that I want to share with you today who lives that type of life. She was born in 1949. Her name is Johnny Erickson Tata. Raise your hand if you've heard of Johnny Erickson Tata. She's kind of a big public figure. Okay. Yeah, in 1967, when she was around 18 years old, shortly after her graduation, she was swimming in the Chesapeake Bay with her sister, and she took a nosedive off into some shallow water. She broke the fourth and fifth vertebrae of her neck and became a quadriplegic. She's a quadriplegic to this day. Now, she did say that she was a churchgoer. She was a Christian, a nominal Christian. She really hadn't had her faith tested to this point, obviously. And when she initially was in the hospital, she was struggling with this doubt, this confusion, bits of anger. And then she had some of her Christian brothers and sisters come in and just really start sharing the scriptures with her. And the one thing that grabbed hold of her, that she remembers to this day, decades later. Have you ever had a scripture just grab hold of you and it won't let go? This is the way she describes it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, and she read it in the King James. In everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. Not for everything give thanks, but in everything give thanks. And she began to realize that if she truly believed and applied and embedded the truth of Scripture into her heart, that that paradox of our faith, that that great counterintuitive aspect of what we believe as Christians can absolutely transform her life to the point where she has joy in the midst of her trials and she would overcome them. She would overcome them, and over the decades, this is some of her accolades, and this is not an exhaustive list by any stretch. She's published 40-plus books. She has six honorary degrees. She was on the State Department Disability Advisory Committee. She's highly published. She learned how to do art. She learned how to do paintings by holding the paintbrush in her mouth. Perseverance, anyone? Endurance and trials? 
Anyone? There's one of her paintings there with the word joy on it. She's a radio, internationally syndicated radio host. She's published um, albums and the founder of Johnny and Friends. Johnny and Friends is a uh, ministry, an international ministry that works with the handicapped community across the globe to give assistance, to educate, to equip, and to expire, inspire. Johnny would say one of my favorite quotes that she would use. She would say, suffering is the gym if we could go forward. Suffering provides the gym equipment on which my faith can be exercised. I love that. Love to work out, so I see the physical fruit connection there. Suffering provides the gym equipment on which my faith can be exercised. You see how such a different perspective on trials is coming through in her life, is coming through in the midst of trial. Now, if you think having to live that many years of your life as a quadriplegic was a trial, and it is. In 2010, she announced that she had breast cancer. Now, you've got to be thinking, come on, right? It's like the Apostle Paul. He's, ship, he's shipwrecked. He's beat. He's run out of town. He's betrayed. He's left for dead. He's lashes and all that. And on one of the stories in Acts, he's shipwrecked. He comes up on the beach, and a snake bites him. So you're thinking, Paul, in that moment, Johnny, and it's just like you're looking up to God, and you're thinking, are you serious right now? Come on. Her faith became even deeper. Some of the talks that she, and I've watched a couple of them, look up Johnny Erickson Tata and just prepare to be inspired by a woman who's a quadriplegic and now breast cancer survivor and the amount of things that she's done. Uh, show the pictures of her when she was, going, that's her husband, Ken, his amazing man in and of himself. Um, going through the cancer treatments, you can imagine, right, as a quadriplegic, having to be moved around into the different treatment that she was doing. An amazing woman of faith. And she would say, she would say that without the trials in her life, one of, one of her famous quotes is, God permits, only permits, the things in which he hates to produce that which he most loves. The next thing that we see is that we can have joy in our temptations. We can have joy in our trials, and we can have joy in our temptations. Now, in, in the original language, in the Greek, that word for temptations is the same word used earlier in the text for, tri for trials. So what's happening there? Well, we know from the context, the English translators know that when James is talking about trials, he's talking about the things that come at us from the outside. Later on in the passage, he's talking about the things that come at us from the inside. He said in that passage, he says that God cannot be tempted and he doesn't tempt any of us, but each of us is tempted when we are dragged away and enticed by our evil desires and our evil desires bring forth sin. So my wife, Caitlin, and I, we got into a little tiff this week and um, it was uh, a typical thing that's not a huge thing, but a typical thing that has a two-hour lifespan if you handle it as a test of faith and you endure it, or it has a 24-hour lifespan if one of the two parties, myself in this case, decides to hunker down and not admit their own sin. Right? I see Dan's laughing. You've, you've, never done, you've done that too, right? Yeah, so here's what I do. I get up the next morning and I decide to blame everybody but myself. Well, it was because you responded this way. Well, it was because we had this going on. Well, it's because, it's because... It's because. 
if you have a history with addiction, you know that the initial thing you do when you start feeling that, that guilt or that conviction for the things that you're doing wrong is you find someone else to blame for it, right? James is teaching us here that we don't see temptation as a test of faith, and that is to our own demise. We have to see not only the things that come at us as things that test our faith, but the, thing that, the things that come from within us. Temptations can take us down because we don't want at the core of who we are as self-justifying human nature folks. We don't want to admit when we've done something wrong. And James is saying right here, one of the things that is going to be God testing you to refine you for your good is that you are going to be part of the problem, okay? There's an enemy working in this world coming after us. There's, there's others that come at us and hurt us and sin against us, but, but you are involved in this process of the test of faith, and those temptations come from within you. So that is two areas of our life that we can experience joy within, the text tells us. Now I want to give us, I want to get along with James, I want to get kind of practical. I want to look at some ways, the how. I want to look at some ways that we can pass the test of faith. The first is that we do so by recognizing and believing that we are eternal. James says that the rich will pass away even as they do their business. It's going to happen like that. Flower blooms, flower dies. He says that later on in the next verse, he says that when you've passed the test of faith, you will receive the crown of life. James is painting this picture of there being a life beyond this and that the decisions that we make and the passing or failing of, our, of the test of our faith matters. It doesn't only matter in the circumstances of today or this week or this month or this year, they matter into eternity. Johnny Erickson Tata has a quote that um, is, illustrates this. The best we can hope for in this life is a not whole peak at the shining realities ahead. Yet a glimpse is enough, she says. It's enough to convince our hearts that whatever suffering and sorrow currently assail us aren't worthy of comparison to that which awaits over the horizon. She says we only need a glimpse. We only need a little taste of, it's called a down payment, other places in scripture, of heaven, of, of where we're going, of what the crown of life is. We look for the results now, don't we? We look for the fruit now. We look constantly for the benefits of passing the test of faith, of doing the right thing. How often do we look at how it's going to pay off for us in eternity? James is saying, consider that. Think about it. Meditate on it. Realize it. Convince yourself. Believe that you are eternal. The second thing we see when um, our faith passes the test, uh, we do that by believing that God is good. Now, let's see how many of you grew up with this or do this. God is good. And all the time, God is good. That's right. But do we believe that? Do we really, really believe when trials are coming at us from outside and temptations are taking us down from inside, do we believe that God is good? 
James makes it a point to say in this text that God does not tempt anyone, but each of us are tempted when we. So there he says, God does not tempt you. That's what I said earlier. The scriptures tell us that God is not out to get you. He's not out to trip you up. Johnny Erickson Tata would say, God only allows that which he hates to produce that which he loves. The next thing he says in the text about the goodness of God is that every good and perfect gift comes down from above, comes from the Father of the heavenly lights. Now this takes work in your faith. It takes endurance when the test of faith comes at you through trials or temptations is the belief that God is good. And you can put the Sunday morning religious faith face on and say God is good, but when trials and temptations come your way, When you lay your head on the pillow, if you're honest with yourself, you've cried out to God and you've wondered. If this is happening, how do I reconcile that with the goodness of God? And I would say after eight and a half years of being a Christian, it's it's hard spiritual work of like Johnny had with her friends coming in with the scriptures of just convincing yourself and believing that the goodness of God transcends and is overseeing everything that is happening in your life. And some of you have gone through some incredibly difficult stuff, and I don't mean to say that that isn't hard, and I don't mean to say that you aren't going to come into things that are hard at all. But the way that we overcome, the way that we endure, the way that we pass the test of faith is by seeing that we're eternal, is by seeing that God is good, but even more than that, the motivating factor for having our faith tested is to fix our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 2 through 4 would show us how God became a man, and when God became a man, he experienced trial, he experienced temptation, he knew joy in the midst of him, because he believed in the eternity of his soul and the goodness of God. Hebrews chapter 12, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your own blood. None of you will have to be put on trial, a phony show trial. None of you will have to be bit, spit on, shamed, stripped naked, whipped, and dragged to a cross to take on the sin of the world. I promise you might go through some stuff, but none of you will have to do that. I won't have to do that. That's been done for us. That has provided the test of faith that achieves your salvation. See, if you pass the test, make sure you don't leave here thinking that you're passing a test to achieve your salvation. Can't do that. You can experience your salvation through passing the test of faith, but you can never achieve it. It's been achieved for you. Use that love of God, use that goodness of God. Trust that God knows where you're going. Trust that God is taking you through your trials and temptations. If you endure, is taking you somewhere that brings him glory and that gives you the deepest joy.
that isn't easy to believe sometimes. My family and I just went on a vacation to Gulf Shores, Alabama. There we are. There's the Griswolds going to Wally World. You got the reference. I'm not sure at 820 they got the reference. The, the McNellies on the way to Gulf Shores. And my wife, Caitlin, she uh, asked me, I'm going to say somewhere around 10 or 15 times, do you know where you're going? Do you know where you're going? Like, if you've ever gone through the roads in Arkansas and Mississippi, right, going down to the Gulf, it looks like you're not on the right roads a few times. So to give her a, a pass on that. But I'm like, yes, I know where I'm going. I know, where I'm, I know what I'm doing. I'm a man. I don't need maps or navigation apps, right? I know where we're going, baby. Was her faith in me well-founded? Take a guess. It was not. I took three wrong turns. <laughs> I took us off course three times. All right? I came to find out through that in, in praying over this message, you know what? Her faith in me, not well-founded. But our faith in God on where he's taking us, very well-founded. And guys, if Johnny Erickson Tata can go through quadriplegia for decades, survive breast cancer, and accomplish all that, you can overcome your trials and temptations. I promise you you can if you endure in your faith. And I promise it won't be easy. But Jesus did not suffer so that you wouldn't have to. He suffered so that you could become like him, so that you could become closer to him, so that you could depend on him more deeply. Allow me to pray. Father, I thank you for everyone in this room today. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that guides us in worship. I pray for those of us in the room um, that are under great trial or temptation, that you would give us the strength to endure, that you would fix our eyes on Jesus. I pray for those of us that know you, those of us that are children of yours, and, and there are trials and temptations in our past, that you would help us count them as joy, consider them joy. Let them do the work of perfecting our faith, Lord. Do it for your glory. Do it for our good. Help us to believe that you are good in the midst of trial and temptation. In your name we pray. Amen.